Turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. This just in, it's raining. <laughs> I've had several people say, y'all usually vacation in May. I drove down twice to get everything ready for the family, turned around and came back home. So we're going to try to steal away some time uh, uh, somewhere during, during the summer. I do want to ask a favor of you. Um, I will not be here next Sunday, uh, but I still want... Please don't take that as a Sunday like, well, I'm just not coming. Listen, God will have a word for this house. And God will have his plans and intentions. Let me tell you where I'm going to be. Um, it's a great honor of mine to be invited, and I won't name the town instead in case they're on, online. But, well, he'll know if he hears the story. Anyway, there's a man uh, celebrating 50 years of ministry in North Atlanta, and my daddy led him and his brother to the Lord when they were teenagers and discipled them and both of them became pastors. One pastored for 40 something years and he went home to be with the Lord and it is his, the other one's 50th anniversary in ministry and he doesn't know that I'm coming and he, the only significance I have in his life is that I'm the son of the man that discipled him but my mom is going. And uh, my mother said, oh, I know him. I'm, I tutored him. If it wasn't for me, he wouldn't have made it out of high school. <laughs> so, <laughs> so next week, I want you to know uh, that I'm not just taking a Sunday away from you. It's one of those that will mean a lot to him. And uh, thank you for loaning me out uh, to them and your faithfulness to this house. This house is not built around the person standing here. This house is built around the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's our place of worship. So stand with me, if you will. First Samuel chapter 2, and I am ready to preach this morning. I'm, if y'all, I know many of y'all Baptist, Methodist, you know, you say, are you a Christian? I'm a Baptist. That's not what I asked you. I just, in Georgia, you're born a Baptist. Out the womb, you're a Baptist. And you may become a Christian later, right out the womb. No, I'm serious. I'm serious, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm asking you to be open today, to be open to, you know, uh, we're so scared of being Pentecostal that we aren't. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> Just, you know, well, Brother Wood, we don't, you know, God is a God of order. Yeah, but he's not an author of death, you know, and uh, I love what Wesley said. Wesley said, it's so much easier to rein in a wild horse than it is resuscitate a dead one. So uh, if, if you feel anything and there's an amen, and I'm not asking you to ag me on, but just receive this morning. Let there be a freedom in your soul. Now, there'll be parts of it that are, don't use every point. You know, the person that shouts in the part where you're supposed to be quiet. Don't, anyway, I'm talking too much. Okay. First Samuel, you can tell I'm full. First Samuel 2. 1 through 11, reading out of the New Living Translation. Then Hannah prayed. Now let me give you a quick history, and then we're going to read our text. Hannah was the one that was childless. Her husband Elkanah and his other wife Paniah had all these children, and the Bible said that the Lord had shut the womb of Hannah. 
And when Elkanah would come back from making offerings to the Lord, they were allowed to bring home a certain portion of the meat, and he would divide that between Elkanah and the babies, but he always gave Hannah more. He just, he preferred her, but she wanted to be a mom. She had a need, a longing, a desire that God had put in her heart. This message is not about babies. It can include babies, but when God how she was formed in her mother's womb. There was a need and she cried earnestly unto the Lord. So much so in the temple that the priest thought she was drunk and she said, don't misjudge me. I'm not drunk. I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord. I'm asking him for a child. And the Bible said she, she prayed, but her lips didn't move. So it was just a guttural stirring in her soul. And the man of God, Eli said, may the Lord grant unto you your, her, your request. And something when she heard that word from the Lord changed. Away went the sadness. Away went the, 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 the fear. Away, she went home. She ate. Her and her husband got together. And the Bible said the Lord remembered her. Now they came together intimately, but that is not where the baby came from. The, the word remembered means the Lord began to do that which was necessary to bring his promise to pass. That God did that in her life. So here she is, post-Samuel. The birth of, I told you last, a couple weeks ago, she asked for a Sammy and God gave her a Samuel. She wasn't expecting this great prophet. And here is the overflow from her heart. So here we are. And then Hannah prayed, not for the child, but post-child. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice, God, because you have rescued me. No one is like you, Lord. There's none beside you. There is no rock like our God. People, stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows what you've done, and he'll judge your actions. He was talking about the woman. Peniah that mocked her, that she didn't have any children, that God had forgot her, that he said, you better shut your mouth. This is what this means. It's King James for shut your mouth is what it is. <laughs> the bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumbled are now strong. Those who are well fed are now starving, and those who are starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children. How many children does she have? Nope. How many does she have? So what's she doing? She's starting to speak out of her spirit things that her mind doesn't even know yet. She said, not only did God grant me a child, there's more on the way. She knew these things. Let me find my place. Hold on. And the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, places them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's and he sets the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. And then Elkanah returned home to Ramah without Samuel. 
And the boy, Samuel, served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. You may be seated this morning. Would you please pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? And I mean that sincerely. Now, God, I just think that this is one of those days where the tide turns, the page turns, the sun comes out. There's something about today, Lord, and I'm asking that you not let me mess it up. I'm not asking you to help me preach a good sermon. I'm not asking you to help me impress anyone. I'm asking, oh Lord, that your word would go forth like light into a dark place, water to dry ground, and that your word would go deep into the fabric of who we are and let us be changed thereby. Your word, Lord, being a lamp and a light. Your word, O oh Lord, like a rock breaking the hammer into pieces. And let faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let us see that the only difference may be between us and Hannah is that she prayed. And I'm asking you for this today, God, in Christ's name. Amen. Be careful when you listen to sermons that you don't look for formulas. God does not give formulas. You can write that down. There are no formulas. Preachers will tell you step one, step two, step three, five ways to get what you need from God. No. God does not give formulas. He gives patterns. He gives promises. He teaches us the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through faith and admonition of the scriptures might have hope, might have help. We might have clarity because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I cannot pigeonhole him into doing for me what he did for Hannah. But what was available to Hannah is available to me. And those are promises. So I want to talk to you a little bit about her life and find some points of identification and then understand that there's a word for you in this. And I've titled this morning's message, if, if it is such, an answer for our enemies. She said, God has given me an answer for my enemies. Who are they? Those are the people that on the peripheral or on the inside of our life that say there is no help for them in God. They mock us at our barrenness. They mock us in our struggles. They mock us in our financial lack. They mock us if your God is with you, why blank? And we don't have an answer until Samuels are born. There are seasons where you don't have answers to where is your God? What is your God, what is your God doing? What has it benefited you? And you don't know. But when Samuel comes out of the womb of a barren Hannah and he stands before the Lord, you point to him and you say, God has answered my enemies. Uh, Paniah had all these children. What are their names? Uh, none were significant. God's blessings are not found in numbers. They are found in quality. And the thing that God wants to do for you is glorious because Christ is glorious. And we don't want to pigeonhole him down. We want to have him. See, many are hung up today on the thing. And you might get the thing but not have him. But if you have him, anything is possible. 
The, the victorious life is having the person of God, not the blessings of God. Because everyone that have the blessings do not have the person, but everyone that has the person has the blessing. I better get to my notes. Okay, number one. Let's look at the life she was living and see if you can find any elements in your life that are similar. She lived painfully in the will of God. She was in the will of God, yet there was deep pain. And we are taught, we read, especially if you watch Christian television, if you are right with God, your, your water faucets flow Kool-Aid, you know, gold falls out of the, the air vents, flakes of dust, you know, your teeth produce gold, all this, if you're right with God. But, and there are many blessings, staggering blessings. But if you've walked longer than two weeks with the Lord, you understand that there is a place where you are painfully in the will of God. Emptiness, longing, void. She lived with deep pain. She lived misunderstood. And there was a dark cloud over her, especially in Old Testament times. If a Jewish woman was barren, she was deemed cursed because the children are the blessing of the Lord. And if you don't have children, something's wrong with you. And that is a, a, a many women's fact that they were uh, like David's wife, Michael, was cursed and God made her barren. But not every barren woman was cursed. And she was misunderstood. She was misunderstood in her barrenness. She was misunderstood in her prayers. And oh, I don't know who this is for, but I hope you find freedom in this. Your goal in that season is not to be understood. It's to be heard. It doesn't matter their opinion. Don't spend your time trying to convince everyone else who you are, what you've done, where you've been, why you believe. Spend your time talking to the one that can make a difference. The one who can give the baby. The one who can answer prayer. She lived a life of contradiction. What do you do when your life is a contradiction of the scriptures? Now, I'm not speaking about the rebel and the backslidden person. If you're in here today and you're a backslider, stop. If you're in rebellion, quit. Repent. Go back home. But that's not what I'm talking about. What do you do when your life is a contradiction? What do you do like in the days of Naomi and Ruth when you live in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and there's a famine? There is no bread. What do you do when the house of bread has no bread? What, what, what do you do when uh, you're in the will of God like Elijah and the brook dries up? God sends you to the brook uh, and it, it dries up, the brook at uh, Cherith, and it dries up. What, what, what do you do when you're the, the bold prophet, uh, Elijah, and you have to run from, from the threat of one woman? What do you do when you're John the Baptist and greater has never been born a man of woman than he and he's rotting away in a jail soon to be killed? What do you do when the person you are and the things you believe, your life does not match those things? It is not your responsibility to get your life to line up with the promises. It's to get your heart to line up with the heart of God. Contradiction 
is often, not always, contradiction in the life of a faithful believer, I should say, is often an indicator of future glory. Because when his brook dried up, he went to the widow at Zarephath and there was a miracle of the, the, the flour and the oil and God's name went out great and that prepared him for the meeting with the king. John the Baptist didn't realize it, but the little prison he was in would usher him into the presence of Jesus Christ in just a few days. David was anointed king and he was running from Saul. That's a contradiction. Samuel anoints him king. He's running from Saul. And little did he know that that contradiction was rooting all of the Saul out of David so he wouldn't have the same end result as David. Stop trying to fix the contradiction. Let it do its work in you. My life may not say right now that he's faithful, but I declare to you he's faithful. <laughs> Oh, that's just positive confession. No, it's not. Positive confession is taught today that by me repeating a certain phrase, I have the creative power to change my circumstances. I am not a person of positive confession. I am a person of faith. I am declaring who God is. I am declaring that he is faithful. I am declaring that he is good. I am declaring that he is kind. And this contradiction, listen, is temporary. Temporary. Hannah said, watch it. The poor will be made rich. The weak will be made strong. Those living in the garbage dump will go from the poor house to the penthouse. Watch the end of the righteous. Some people can't live with contradictions. They say, well, God, if this is who you are, then you're not faithful. And you check out before the movie ends. Contradictions are often preparations for great glory. She lived with an active adversary, Paniah. Every time that Hannah would go up to the temple to offer her sacrifice to the Lord and pray, this woman would mock her for being childless. Anybody know anybody like that? You just want to kick them in the shins just as hard as you can kick them. I do, why are y'all so quiet? No, y'all are sanctified. Y'all don't ever feel that way. I had a lady one time when I was starting our church, she was a district official's wife. And I'm, brand, you know, I'm young in the Lord, I'm a baby, really, in my 20s and talking about starting a church. And I told her, I called her name, I saw her in the mall, back when there was a mall. And I, I told her, I said, uh, she said, what you up to? I said, I'm gonna start a church. She goes, it'll never work. You know what my thought was in that moment? See, some of y'all are so spiritual, I would have just prayed for her and blessed her. My thought was, I'll knock that wig off your head. That's the, my first thought. I didn't do it. My second thought was, you ain't fooling nobody. That thing all crooked over. I, I did. I was so mad. I was so mad. And you need to do something with this right here. That's what my third thought was. That was my third thought. But I'm carnal. You're not. I, I, She lived with someone that always brought up what God has not done. And some people say it 
Others do it non-verbally. When you're around them, you feel small in the Lord. And you don't understand that they're just your weight training. If you got to have everybody clapping and angels singing and you're great, you're great. You grow up to be the, like these snowflakes we're producing now in the United States. But if you're able to let them curse, you remember when the uh, man came out, Shimei, and cursed King David? David's son was coming to kill him, and he came out and he goes, Look at our king! And he just mocked him and threw dirt on him and everything. David is the man that killed Goliath. Do you understand? This man throwing rocks and sticks, David could have waxed him so quickly. And one of David's servants said, can I kill this dead dog? David said, nah, let him talk. The Lord may reward me for the words that he's saying. My job is not to straighten out the masses opinion and my job is not to silence my critics. And she goes, go on, childless. That's what she did. The Bible said she taunted her every year. Go on up to the temple. How do you know that? She didn't go to the temple. See, she had what she wanted. Her worship ended when she had enough. That's the difference between Hannah's in Paniah's. They want what they want from the Lord and then they're done with the Lord. And when Hannah got what she wanted from the Lord, she gave it right back and worshiped and gave this song. You see? You see? Let them talk. Let them talk. I've had them tell me a bunch of stuff over the years. I've walked out, you know, hey, good morning, good morning. How are you today? I wouldn't walk across the street to hear you preach. And that man told me that. Today's just first thought Sunday. Can we say that? Just first thought Sunday. <laughs> My first thought was, God, help your wife. <laughs> Rascal. One guy asked, I said, how you doing? He goes, not too good. And this is back when we were in three services. I said, well, what's wrong? He goes, is that message you preached? I said, what about it? He said, I don't like it. And I'm thinking, you didn't like my message. How can these things be? That was my thought, you know. And I said, what part of it? He said, the whole thing. And you know what I told him? I leaned in and said, come here. That's the third time I heard it. I didn't like it either time. I walked off. You know, he went to his car, called his wife. He goes, something's wrong with him. I tried to insult him. And he, my job's not to straighten you out. My job is to go to the temple and be heard of the Lord. To be heard. No word that she tries to straighten this woman out. Did she hurt her? Yes. Did she try to help her? No. Did she try to correct her? No. Did she defend herself? She said, I'm not going to waste my time multiplying words with a fool because somebody will walk by and not know who the fool is. That was from my grandmother, by the way. I am not trying to win the approval of people when we pray. We're trying to catch the ear of God. I just want to be heard. I just want to be heard. I just want to be heard. She lived this way for many years. The Bible said year after year she went to the temple, childless. Questions swirled continually through her mind. What have I done to deserve this? 
Maybe God's angry with me. Maybe God has judged me. Maybe I am cursed. Maybe I simply don't deserve a child. Or maybe God knew I wouldn't be a good mother. Have you ever been in your pattern of prayer and you lived unanswered and you tried to figure out rationally why God did not answer supernaturally? Sometimes it's obvious. If you're living in open rebellion and sin, it's probably connected to that. And I'll have people tell me, they say, Pastor John, I've searched my heart. I don't know of anything. I don't know of anything. First of all, you don't search your heart. God searches our heart. And if God wants to convict you about something, you, you, you're not going to be confused about what it is. And if my heart doesn't condemn me, then I'm clear. The devil, if he can get you going internally trying to figure stuff out, you'll stop praying and start worrying. My job is not to understand the dynamics of why, when, where, and how. My job is to pray and to pray in faith. Number two, the prayers she prayed. First, I told you the life she was living. Secondly, the prayers she prayed. I'll go through this quickly. They were exclusive. She wasn't pr praying to Jehovah and someone else. She wasn't praying to a higher power, uh, the all-seeing eye, Buddha, Muhammad, uh, Baal at that time, Ashtaroth. She was praying to Jehovah God and no one else. Now, it's wonderful to have prayer partners. It's wonderful to have those that pray for us. I benefit greatly from us. But people should not be your first choice. God, first choice. Her prayers were personal. They were simple. God teaches us. He said, the heathen think they're heard because they multiply their words and they try to speak elegantly and repetitively. He said, don't do that when you talk. Just say, my father, and talk to him. Their prayer, her prayer was uh, specific. Her prayer was focused. And it was deeply emotional. The reason we don't have powerful results is we have anemic prayers. How can you expect it to matter to God when it don't matter to you? And you find in the word of God when women cried out, give me children lest I die. When men got ready for battle and they said, Lord, we're not going unless your presence goes with us. When they prayed heartfelt prayers, if it moves your heart, it touches God's heart. Her prayer was without manipulation. Notice she didn't tell God what to do. May we come to a place where our prayers are not us telling God what to do, but reminding him of who we believe him to be. I'll tell you how to do it, ignorant as I am. You have perfect knowledge and I'm going to tell you how to do it. You know what's coming next week and I'm going to tell you how to do it. How about this? How about we just pull the car in to the bay and walk out and say, help yourself. Our prayers should be trust-based. They're not telling him what to do. It's letting him know that he's it for us. If you don't help me, I have no one else. Mama Sheila taught me that. And her life story, if you ever get a chance to talk to her, you know, all of us have our stories. 
But one of the most powerful things she says, she tells me when she'll get an answer. She'll say, I just told the Lord. I said, you all I got. When she appeals to me, that's it. No husband, no, no family around. You're it for me. If you don't take care of me, I'm not taking care of. And every time, all the time, God comes through. And see, I, and my wife taught me this. She said, when, and I'm going to paraphrase several conversations. But if you don't tell him all how to do it, he surprises you. She asked him one time, how are you going to do this? This won't happen. He goes, well, I guess it'll be a surprise then. And the surprise comes. The prayers she prayed were faith-filled. And they were unanswered for a long time. Even though she couldn't see through her tears, she prayed. And even though nothing changed, she prayed. And even though there was no change on the horizon, she prayed. And even though she was mocked, misunderstood, and stood alone, she prayed. Each year, each month, each week, every day, all throughout the day, she would force herself up the hill of disappointment and make herself believe that God was there, that God cared, that God would hear and God would answer. And her prayers were heard. They were heard by God himself. And he heard everyone. When this Eli in the temple, he was a, a mixed bag. His kids were pagan, horrible, but he was hit or miss. But you know, the Lord can speak to you through a donkey if he wants to. And we need to learn, the Bible says, my sheep know my voice and another one's voice they will not follow. We don't find the word of the Lord based on the person speaking. We find it based on that familiar resonance in our spirit. And you go, that was the Lord. That was the Lord. And he said, may, may your request be granted unto you. May the Lord grant it. And her disposition changed. Her countenance changed. She went from grieving so much and her husband would say, am I not better to you than seven, husband, uh, seven children or ten sons? And, and, and he, she wouldn't eat. And she went home and she goes, pass the bread, baby. Pass the corn. She was eating. Everything changed because she got a word from the Lord. And we are responsible to pray petitionary prayers until we break through. And no one can tell you when you break through. But in the same way... A rocket will shake until it breaks the gravitational pull. How do you know you broke through? Burden's gone. Fear's gone. This lady barking at you about you ain't got no child. You go, wait just a few days. You, you stop worrying. You break. There is a place. So why does God make us pray? He can do it without us. Please listen to this. I've learned this through great failure and great immaturities. Prayer does not change things. Prayer changes you. God changes things. And he's only going to do the things he planned on doing anyway for you if you're surrendered to his will. And it's funny that when you line your prayer up according to his will... There's the, there's the narrow pathway, the birthing canal, if you will, of self-denial and waiting and contradiction. But when you come out the other side, you have an answer for your enemies because there is an unmistakable Samuel standing right beside you. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but this is your answer. All you need to do is know that you are heard. That you're heard.
the blessings she received when Samuel was born. The blessings were in line with the will of God. They were in line with the purposes of God, the timing of God, and they were given by the hand of God. Her blessings filled her heart. They satisfied her soul and healed the deepest parts of of her diseased uh, nature and, and countenance. Her blessings were subservient to the glory of God. That's evidenced in her giving her son back to God. She said, yes, this is what I wanted. How do you long and long and long and long for something, and then when you get it, you give it right back to God? She says, of course I wanted that, but I want his glory more than I want my boy. I want to be in his will more than I want my boy. Are your blessings subservient to the Lord your God? Are you, there's some people unable to receive. Some people, all they want to do is receive. Others are unable to receive. And then others, when they finally receive, grip it like this. Are you able to hold God's blessings like this and live joyfully? Why would we ever clutch the blessing of God? This is going to be hard to hear, okay? Because some of us in a broken diseased part of our heart feel that that blessing may have slipped through the cracks and we better hold on to it because God probably wouldn't give us anything as good or better. But to live like this and say the Lord that gave me this will give me this. The Lord that knew my heart and gave me my wife and my babies how hard it is to hold them like this, but Lord, I do, I do. And that doesn't mean there's not a trembling. You can tremble and still leave your hands open. Trusting in the Lord. Because the only thing harder than trying to get a blessing is to live holding on to it. And that is draining. You think it's hard trying to procure a blessing? Try to preserve it. Try to preserve your place, your position, your income, your house. The blessings released deep expressions of gratitude in her heart. And it changed her. Samuel changed her. Her perspective changed. Her priorities changed. Her person and her praise changed. Everything about, see, the blessing is not the end result, but there are therapeutic qualities in God's answers. There are therapeutic things. When God granted me Kelly, there were parts of me, I told her, I said, you're like a nurse. You're, you're healing. Parts of me come back alive and, and, and as wonderful and as beautiful and kind as she is, it wasn't the person. It was the one that sent it. The therapeutic qualities. And when our babies came, Oh my God. And, and it's like billows of, of blessing and you understand that the blessings aren't for my satisfaction. Primarily they're for my wholeness. And God knows the things that we need. He knows the things that we want. And I can tell if you've received a blessing righteously because it changes you for the good. It doesn't make us hoarders. It makes us free makes us rich Ben if you would come please and this I've, I've been waiting all morning one of, there's several but this is one of them I've been waiting all morning to sh- share with you 
The blessing she received opened her to receive more than she asked for. We are so also scared. If you watch Christian television longer than 30 minutes, you go, God, I don't ever want to be that guy that's begging for money and begging stuff from you and the first hundred callers get a blessing. I don't want to be that guy. But you also need to know that the Bible teaches God always goes above. Always. Always. She asked for a baby. She gets the greatest prophet that ever lived. Well, how can you say that? The Bible says that Samuel was so great in the Lord that God didn't let one of his words fall to the ground without it happening. And then she got, let me say it right, three more daughters and two sons. What's up with that? Well, when God opens a door, they tend to stay open. When God opens a womb, they tend to stay open. When God does a thing, it, it tends to stay. And what, what she learned was that my life was not about Samuel. My life was about the God who gave him. And from her flowed precious little girls that she loved just as much, boys that she loved just as much, and the blessings changed her. The blessings are not the goal, but they are that which God uses to heal. Struggle shapes. Blessings heal. You've heard me tell this story before, and uh, I've got one more point to give, but I really feel prompted. My wife never asked for anything. She just, she's one of those people. She just, she's grateful, just we're good. You know, she'll come home just as happy about something from Walmart as anywhere. She's just good. When we brought, when we went to that Atlanta hospital and they laid that first baby on her chest, I watched her, I watched her change before my eyes. When we brought them home, she was not the same person. The way she spoke, the way she acted, the way she walked, the way she worshiped, something changed in her. What was it? It was the babies. No, no. She caught a revelation of the one that knew her better than anyone else. And every time she held that baby, she wasn't thinking, what a wonderful baby. She was thinking, what a wonderful God. What a wonderful God. Finally, the lessons she learned. She would tell you there's a time to weep and there's a time to dance. And learn to appreciate the time of transition. Ben, what do you call it when you're changing chords or keys and you're going in between something? Mm -hmm. Modulation. So I can't play in this key and get to that key without changing. When you drive a clutch, which is a lost art today, by the way, I need somebody to teach me to drive a clutch. Look for somebody with all white hair. They got you covered. I can't go from this gear to the other gear without modulation. When Eli gave her that word, 
she was in between barren and baby. This is your word today. Push the clutch, baby. This is your word. God has heard your prayer. I'm not barren and I don't have children. I'm in between right now. And that's not for everybody. You can't just, but somebody's heart's today going, Lord, is that my word? Yes. You're in between. The clutch is pushed. Don't pop the clutch. Don't be eager. You'll stall out. Make sure it's smooth. Make sure it works. She also learned that God does not ever give false hope. Ever. Ever. It's God's glory to save, to heal, to fulfill. But it's my glory to exalt his name. That's what she did in this song. She goes, now I'm going to pray. But it's a different kind of prayer. It's not a can you give me something. It's let me tell you about God. And quiet people said, like Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, you blessed us so much last week. Can y'all bless the Lord for that? What a wonderful testimony. You know you shift when you change from talking about what you didn't have to. Let me tell you about who God is. And Jeremiah, I'm not much of a talker, but when you ask me to talk about the Lord, let's go. Let me tell you about how good God is and how faithful God is. God is sovereign. It's, she kept saying, God does what he wants. He raises people up. He tears people down. God is in control. And the righteous, ooh, he protects, he preserves, he exalts, he provides, he sustains. He restores. Watch the life of a righteous man. He'll fall seven times and he'll get back up again. You can't be overcome. You can't be overcome in him. If you abide in the vine, everything is fine. You can't be overcome. God has a plan. God is working the plan and God will finish the plan in your life and finally I want to read this to you from 1 Samuel 1 listen this is after she got her word from the Lord and they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord uh, Hannah and her husband and it said and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife which means he went in unto her was intimate and the Lord remembered her and in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked him of the Lord. So all these times, and I'm not trying to be funny here because it's kind of awkward. You know when young parents will say, we're trying. That phrase, that just, I mean, I, you know. So all these years of trying. All these years of her coming to the breakfast table and saying, I'm not. I'm not. And gets a word from the Lord. And Hannah, or Elkanah, knew his wife, did what they've always done. And the Lord remembered her. He put together and made necessary adjustments to fulfill that which was spoken over her. 
and she conceived and bore a son and named him Samuel. She said, because I asked him of the Lord. Are you ready for something that will blow your mind? Samuel does not mean I asked him of the Lord. Well, the scriptures, no, it didn't say it meant that. It said that she named him Samuel because she asked him of the Lord. So what does Samuel mean? It means the Lord heard me. <laughs> Look at your pastor. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're praying for. The Lord heard you. He heard you. He heard you. He heard you. He heard you. You don't need a preacher to shout to you. He heard you. He heard you. And he will remember you. And he will do the necessary things that weren't able to be done yesterday following his word because he heard you. And the Lord has an answer for your enemies. Several years ago, I finished with this. I love finishing several times. I'm finished with this. <laughs> several years ago, there were those that looked upon my broken life. Probably my fault. Most of it my fault. And said, there's no hope for him and God. God's done. He's cursed. And oh, if I were judged for my sins, I'd be vaporized. So let's just make sure we're on the same page. There's no hope for him and God. Where's the Lord, John? Where's the Lord, John? Where's the Lord, John? And now sometimes on stage, you'll see me, my wife coming up, my children twirling on stage. And here's what I want to tell you. Listen, listen. God has answered my enemies. And you go, I'm not saying it. I'm saying it. <laughs> you see? So something is going to be put inside of you that will soon come outside of you that will show others what you already knew that God heard your prayer. With every eye open, it won't take but a moment. This is not to receive anything from John. You don't need nothing from John. You've already got a word from the Lord. If you received a word this morning, I want you just to come stand around this front and we're going to pray together. And I want you to tell the Lord. And I want you to get it in your vocabulary that you start to tell other people. I know you heard me. Just close your eyes. Make yourself your own private closet. I know you heard me. I know you heard me. When I called, you heard me. When I cried, you heard me. When I walked the floor, you heard me. When I fasted, you heard me. When I brought offerings to you, you heard me. When I doubted, you heard me. When they mocked me, you heard me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. My thoughts are far off before I think them. But you bent down, inclined your ear under my prayer, and you have heard me. You heard my prayer about my boy. Brought him in. Look at him standing righteous. 
You heard my prayer about my babies who are wayward. I don't know how, I don't know where, but my children will be like trees planted by the rivers of water because you heard me. God, we don't have faith in our faith. Our faith is in you. You heard us. We believe, O oh Lord, that it's going to happen to us according to your will. And I have not seen ear hath not heard neither has it entered into the heart of those that look to you what you've prepared for us but you're revealing it unto us by your spirit maybe my wife's word is for somebody today prepare to be surprised and while you're living in contradiction Leanne and Ben told you praise him while you're living in pain praise him let them curse, let them mock. You just pray, pray. Because the righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. All their troubles. Glory to the Lord God. Glory to the Lord. No one looking around. Will you just practice this with me? If, I mean authentic. Lord, I know you heard me. I, I, I know, that's it. You wouldn't invite me to pray, bend down to listen and not answer. I know you heard my prayer. I know you heard my prayer. Church family, would you stand with us? And we're about to go home in just a minute. I want those in the altar to look this way. I have something quick and I don't know who it's for. I just feel in my heart. There's some that, of course, anybody it could apply, but I just felt this random thought come to me. Some would say, you know, but he's not answering. Why has he not answered this? It could be he's answering a previous prayer. Because if the prayer you're praying now contradicted the previous prayer, then he wouldn't be honoring. And if that fits, you'll know. It's kind of like uh, if I get ahead of the thing, then the prayer of, Whatever it takes, don't ever let me be out of your will. And now we may be praying for something that we really want and God's seemingly quiet, but he may be honoring the first prayer. Does that make sense? So just, just he heard me. That was it. Beth, would you mind praying for... I just felt when I saw you this morning, I said, because I know you've built your life on prayer. Will you just pray over us and dismiss us this morning? Come on up. Just take your time, you and Lance, and just pray over us and um, for them not to grow faint and to believe. Father God, <clears throat> Lord, we're humbled to get to walk with you. Thank you, Father, that you right now are setting some faces in a new direction. There's a few people up here, Lord, that are hearing a new word from you today or where you're reminding them of a word that you gave them already. And all they have to do is say, yes, Lord. I don't know what it'll look like, but yes, Lord. Father, the, one of the hugest differences between someone who lives a victorious life and someone who just seems to always fail is just a person that just blindly just says, yes, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it'll cost me. But whatever it is, I'm just, I'm, I'm all in. So, Lord, together, right now as a body of Christ, we're all in, Lord. Whatever it looks like, whatever it costs, wherever it takes us, 
Father, would you just illuminate the way before us and let us walk in it. Lord, we just love you and thank you for this day. Thank you for this Sunday. Set our path this week to be one where you display your glory in beautiful ways, in simple ways, in precious ways. Amen. Amen. The Lord has heard you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.